Hello everybody and welcome to my new podcast, Ethics in Equine. My name is Sky Morrow and I have grown up around horses. My mum is a riding instructor and she used to own her own riding school. So I have been riding, loving horses, grooming them and just growing up around them since before I can even remember. I will always love them and they will always hold a really, really special place in my heart, which is why this topic is so important to me. I, like everybody else, am guilty of sometimes being not very ethically correct through no fault of my own or through no fault of anybody else's. I'm just ignorant to different ways of doing things, which is why I wanted to start this podcast. I wanted to talk to professionals about how we can all learn to treat our horses better, how we can educate ourselves, how we can challenge ourselves to be more ethically correct, and how we can just do better for our horses. They do us such a favour by allowing us to ride them, to love them, to be around them, and we need to repay them by treating them in the best possible way. And that is exactly what this podcast is for. So I really hope that you enjoy it, and I really hope that you can take something positive away from this, and to challenge yourselves to be more ethically correct, just as I will from now on. So enjoy everybody, and today I'm here with Siobhan Morrow, and we are going to be talking about rider biomechanics. Hi everyone, so I've been teaching for many years, and always done my best to improve my teaching skills, to improve horse and rider communication. Um, But a really defining moment for me was about five years ago, I found a book about rider biomechanics written by a wonderful lady called Mary Wanless. And um, that was a really defining moment for me. It's changed my teaching style. It changed the way I approached horses, the way I approached um, teaching riders. And it was just a fantastic day. Amazing. Some people might at this point be thinking, what is rider biomechanics. Um, So during sport, the laws of mechanics are applied to how a body moves in order to help us understand what is and isn't working and how we can change it for the best to improve performance and reduce injuries. So how would you say this is relevant to riding? Um, I would say that it's very relevant to riding. You have have, um, a horse with his own instincts, his own impulses, his own ways of moving, his own asymmetries in his body. And then you put a a rider, a human, on top of him with the rider's own asymmetries in their body, uh, reactions, uh, ways of dealing with motion. And you've got these two bodies, one on top of the other, and to get symmetry out of them, to get fluid movement, is is really quite a challenging um, sort of process. So biomechanics helps us to make sure that our horses are comfortable whilst being ridden by ensuring that we as riders are as balanced, in the right place and easy to carry as possible. That's one of the reasons why biomechanics is important. What are some other important reasons? Um, You find riders out there who are naturally talented. They, They can't explain exactly what they are doing in order to create this amazing performance from their horse. They have naturally got muscle tone and they have naturally engaged their core. Um, They are naturally talented riders, but they are quite few and far between. The the majority of riders out there are uh, more average in terms of their kind of blobbiness, their um, asymmetries in their bodies, their imbalances, and 
they need a step-by-step process of how to start to engage their core, of how to step-by-step increase muscle tone, how to step-by-step cope with the force of the horse as he changes from one pace to another without leaning one way, without collapsing one way, without unbalancing himself and thereby unbalancing the horse. So for your talented rider who's naturally finding this fairly easy, biomechanics is a way for them to understand what it is they're doing so that they can explain what they're doing Um, and they can only improve doing that, they can only get better Um, and for your rider who is not naturally talented, which let's face it is the more more common type of rider out there, um, they now have a step-by-step process in which to start to match the forces of their horse to be straight, to be balanced, to be organised, to give clear signals and so have a much more ethical riding experience with a horse that is understanding, not being shoved around and is happier. Okay, so if I, for example, was to get on a horse that is obviously a lot stronger than me and I get on and I've been in a situation before where I'm just trotting around and then suddenly the shoulder drops and the horse is in the other arena. Can I use my body in the right way to help him to not do that? Or is that just him deciding he wants to go in the opposite direction? Is it something I'm doing? How would I kind of fix that <laughs> fix that problem? Um, yeah, so that's, that's quite common. That's quite a common um, situation riders find themselves in where their horse, usually one way rather than the other, you find horses are... Um, perhaps only like to turn left. So if you're going around in your arena and you get to a right-handed turn and you haven't got the fence there to force the horse to turn right, um, they like to drop their left shoulder and go straight. So biomechanics can help enormously in understanding why the horse is doing that in the first place um, and how to rearrange your body so that you are not going to be disorganized by the horse and... um, have that happen to you so preparation you you know that this is going to happen and you know he's going to drop his left shoulder for argument's sake okay as the corner arrives so before the corner you need to make sure that you keep your shoulders level you keep your hands level you keep your seat bones level because when your horse drops his left shoulder If somebody was standing behind you taking a video, you would see that your left shoulder has dropped in sympathy with that. Your left seat bone, your left hip has slid down the left side of the horse. Your left hand has dropped and you've made it surprisingly easy for your horse to then do what he wants to do. He has disorganized you to the point where you now have no control over where he's going. So the next time around, you would make sure that you keep your left hand at the same height as the right hand. Despite how hard that is, you would do that. You wouldn't let your seat bones drift over to the left. You wouldn't let the left one drop down the side of the horse like it's falling down a cliff. You would keep it up. You would make sure that you weren't disorganized by your horse. So by keeping your left shoulder in the right place, by keeping your left hand in the right place, you would then be able to open your right rein and you would be able to apply your left leg in a tap-tap and that is going to get your horse to move away from your leg without his left shoulder dropping. So you can't do this unless you've got an idea of where your shoulders are, where your hands are, 
um, unless you have a, you can feel when the horse is starting to do this dropping of the left shoulder, starting to get stronger left. They usually um, preempt this by either going slightly slower or going slightly faster. So you'll feel a rhythm change. Um, you can't put any of these fixes in place though, unless you have firstly engaged your core muscles, which stabilizes your torso and therefore gives you a little more control over where your shoulders are, where your hips are, where your seat bones are, and how you apply your leg aids. With practice, you can then get your horse going left and right beautifully. Okay, well, thank you, because I have had that problem many times, many, many times, on the same horse. Um, so would you say good biomechanics directly affect the health and well-being of the horse, and poor biomechanics means simple tasks are a big effort, they quickly become Absolutely. tiring. Yeah? Yes, definitely. So what we often find is that people with poor biomechanics, their their seat bones, we, we always hear seat bones talked yes. about. Seat bones either are tipping too far forwards, in which case you're getting a slumped back and shoulders are behind the vertical, um, or you have your seat bones that are pointing too far back, in which case you have scenario where if you imagined your belly was say um, just tipping forward out of your body and you were tipping forward you were leaning too far forwards yeah um, doing exercises with your seat bones trying to roll them forward and see whether that's easier roll them back is that easier try and find a middle ground try and find the point where they point downwards and Having a mirror around is really helpful because then you will see where your shoulders are in relation to your seat bones, where your lower leg is in relation to your seat bones. If you are rounding your back and your seat bones are pointing forward, your weight is at the back of the saddle. Your lower leg is too far forwards. It's not in the right place to influence the horse correctly. Um, your horse is trying to get away from this crushing effect at the back of the saddle. Sometimes they slow down completely. Other times they try and run away from that. The end of the day you're not in the right place you're not balanced you're not over the top of your horse you are riding as if you are a water skier being pulled along by the horse and the horse is the boat so you need to get your seat bones in the right place so that you can then get on top of the boat get in the boat you want to be in the boat you don't want to be behind be the, horse, in the, boat. the boat if you're the water skier behind the boat your horse is going to try and turn into a motorboat and suddenly race off with you what is the traditional response? Oh, a stronger bit. Martingales, market harbourers, all kinds of running reins that will force the horse into a certain position. Whereas if you correct your rider biomechanics, get the seat bones in the right place, engage your core, your horse doesn't have any reason to race out from underneath you. You don't have a We are the reason, but a lot of the reason that our horses can have flatter jumping techniques just because of our posture being in the wrong place or um, yes, we can influence absolutely. injuries, stuff like that, just by us being absolutely. unbalanced. We need to endeavour, strive, work hard to be the best and easiest load for our horse to carry. And biomechanics is a real understanding of how to be in balance with your horse, how to stay in balance through a change from walk to trot, through a change from a medium trot to an extended trot, from a transition from halt to walk, from canter to halt. 
unless you have an understanding of how to apply thigh muscles, core muscles, how to keep yourself in place. You're always too far back, too far forward, slumping to the side, um, losing balance, which causes gripping of knees, causes pulling of reins, and your horse is going to react to that. He's going to try and get away from it. He's going to try and curve away from it. Yes. He's going to fall behind it. He's going to try and buck you off. He's going to try and do many, many ways, many, many things of um, letting you know in the only way he can that your rider buying mechanics are not good enough. So for me, that is always the way forward. And I've seen amazing changes in horses and riders just through being more aware yeah, their body. Because horses don't, they don't speak English, do they? So they've only got no. certain ways to tell us what they're thinking, what they're doing, if they're in pain, if they're not in pain, if the rider's, as you said, sitting too far back. And we need yes, to definitely. work harder to understand that they are communicating with us all the time yes. and not just put a big they, bit they of react. it out. They will react. So no reaction you get from a horse is the wrong reaction. Yes. So once you change your thinking to the horse is not being bad to my horse is now having a bad day. I'm doing something that he doesn't understand. His level of training isn't sufficient for him to do what I'd like him to do. I haven't asked him clearly enough. I am giving him too many mixed signals. So when you change your thinking process to that way, rather than the horse is bad or my horse doesn't want to do it today or... My horse never reacts the way I want him to. We change our thinking. It's a much more ethical, much more ethical way of of approaching your horse, of empathising with him, of trying to understand why he does what he does. And it's usually um, in response to something that the rider has done. Right. So it's, it's, yeah, like you say, he can't speak. He doesn't have words. He can only react in certain ways. And some ways are habitual ways of patterns have been developed and they will react in a certain way and it takes time because if you are used to riding your horse in a certain way maybe you're a bit heavy on the left side and you're finding that consequently your horse doesn't like to turn right we improve your rider biomechanics to the point where you are now sitting in the middle of the saddle applying the aids correctly you've got to understand that there is there there's a time for your horse to adjust because he's used to you doing it in a certain way so just applying correct biomechanics doesn't instantly fix your horse. He's got to take time to work out that, hey, this is a new way. This is a better way, but it feels different. It feels a bit weird. And um, I'm in a pattern of behaving in a certain way. And now I've got to break that pattern and move in a different way. So it's a learning curve for the horse and the rider um, when you start to apply biomechanics. But yeah, listening, noticing, noticing reactions, what works, what doesn't work. And um, okay. always coming from the point of view that your horse is doing you a massive favour, letting you sit on his back. Yes. It's up to us to be a really easy, considerate, kind load for him to carry. Yes. But like on, on that kind of note, would you say people are guilty of personifying their horses and kind of assuming that they have the same level of intellectual that stuff I do. Us. yes and... i do I, I i get really quite angry when people say oh my horse is misbehaving today or he's bad or he's so naughty and he's doing this that and the other and like i said earlier it's 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 his only way it's the only voice he has 
to say that I, the saddle doesn't fit me very well or I'm tired of you bumping around on my back or my pelvis is sore today because I was lying down and I cast myself in the night and I struggled to get up and I'm feeling a bit stiff today or I'm a mare and it's that I'm having a season and my ovaries are aching and you know there are all these different ways that your horse has of of letting you know that yeah he's having a bad day or she's having a bad day she's finding things difficult that day right so we need to not just assume that we need to put big equipment on them and yeah, force them to do something. they don't necessarily need spurs. They don't necessarily need market hovers and running reins and draw reins and um, fancy bits with all kinds of gag actions and horrendous tight nose bands and all this kind of thing. We just mm. need to listen to what they're telling us in the only way that they know how to communicate with us. Yes. And, you know, there's that saying, rider, fix yourself fix the rider you can start to fix the horse yeah even um pippa funnel who's a very very big eventer here in the uk she says that her um one of her favorite horsey pieces of advice that she got was that i think it was 98 percent of the time the rider is the problem not the horse ah you see now i love that and when we change our thinking from you know, the horse is a person and thinks like a person, reacts like a person and is my child to the horse is this large animal that reacts to his environment and is very much governed by instinct. We, we, we can try and work better with him. Understand the privilege that we have of sitting on his back. Try and be the best load we can be. And I believe that Biomechanics is a, is, a, is a really ethical way of changing the way people ride. I'd just like to pause here and take a quick break because one of you listeners at home has sent me in an amazing story that I'd love to play for everybody. This is Christy. So my name is Christy and Recently, I had a lesson on a 19.3 Shire um, who, you know, obviously was very big and one of his quirks was that as you were riding him, um, he would fall in from the outside track on the right rein and he would do it again and again and again. He would go into the arena next door because he would just cross his legs over and go off the outside track and it was really easy to just kind of pin it down as naughtiness or maybe him just not understanding what you're asking but my instructor has a very critical eye and she had noticed from riding him herself and looking at his body that he wasn't shaped properly he not, not that he had poor conformation, but she actually took a picture of him from behind and showed me, and it was his left hip was much lower than his right hip. So he was almost built at an angle, at a wonk. So it meant that it was easier for him to develop muscle on his right side. So whenever he would be 
moving or working, he was always under muscled on one side, which meant he was weaker on that side and he would want to transfer the weight onto his right side by crossing his legs and then darting out of the arena when he didn't have the fence to kind of keep him secure. And it really kind of changes your perspective because you approach it, the situation differently than you would if you were dealing with greenness or naughtiness. You're just dealing with a horse that isn't muscled properly and you're trying to fight against his conformation to get him as evenly muscled as he can. It was very helpful to have the visual, being able to visually see why he, why this was happening and being able to pinpoint that it was just because the way he was built and not because of anything behavioural. It meant that the way that we fixed the problem or the way that we would train him from then on would be different than we would train him if it was a behavioural problem. So it was very beneficial to be able to see that and to have an instructor that was able to notice that. Thank you so much for sending that in, Christy. That was really, really interesting. And I love how your instructor had a keen enough eye to notice that it wasn't a behavioural problem. It was just the horse's confirmation was a bit different. And I hope that everyone else can look at situations from a different point of view as well and can think, maybe my horse isn't being naughty. Maybe he doesn't understand what I'm trying to communicate to him. Or maybe, maybe she's a bit sore today. Maybe she's a bit stiff. Maybe I need to work on one rein more than the other because she's a bit weaker on one side. You never really know what's going on. Don't just instantly pin it down to naughtiness. And if anybody else would like to send me in a story, I would absolutely love to feature them in an upcoming episode. So please DM them to me on Instagram, Ethics and Equine, and I'd love to hear all about it. Because of the fact that 60% of the horse's weight is in its front legs and the how do you say thoracic muscles, is that what they are? Yes. They hold so much of the weight load. So us being out of balance would make that load even harder on the horse's front end. And so even if it's not just making the horse easier for us for, say, selfish, greedy reasons, it's best for the horse because we're helping them to not have this massive, lumpy, bumpy load on their their front. They've already got 60% of weight there. And through, through really educated training and biomechanical exercises and movements um, as the horse progresses through his learning career. So he will learn to shift that weight slightly further back until he is, if you have a look at a a really top-class dressage horse, their weight is a lot further back over their hindquarters. They bend their hocks a little more. They carry their weight slightly further back. They lift their shoulders a bit more and that thoracic sling is lifted rather than um, in an earlier stage of training where like you say, they naturally carry more of their weight over their front. If you get a lumpy rider who, through no fault of their own, is um, making it harder for the horse to lift his front end because they're sitting there as well, then you get problems of the horse is not wanting to go forwards, um, of them making compensating kind of movements throughout their bodies. And um, this is when you start getting problems with knees and elbows and hocks and pelvis and because they're trying to balance a rider when the rider's 
job is to balance themselves. Yes, and, and to, to make sit it sit in the best place. Yes, to make it as easy for the horses, because as you said previously, they're doing us a favour by letting us sit on them. They are. So yes, let's not are. make it so much harder for them to do yeah. that. So why would you say some people overlook biomechanics or think it's not personally relevant to them as riders? Um, well, traditionally, people are told when they have a lesson to grow tall. Yes, put uh, your heels down. Boobs to the sky, heels down really, really low, um, be tall, long legs. Um, and that is really, really completely opposite to, to the biomechanics that we teach. So, first of all, it's it feels really, really different to a rider who has been quite sort of traditionally trained um, to then have a biomechanics lesson. It feels really different for them. It takes, it takes a while. It takes a couple of lessons for them to really start to see the benefit, to take the step back and, and sort of address the very basic principles of, of their riding. And that is really hard for people. So I teach in a riding school and uh, a riding lesson is expensive. It's a lot of money. Um, you get the people who don't feel like they've got enough bang for their buck if they haven't been cantering around and around and around during the course of their lesson. Whereas from a biomechanical point of view, they would need to have organised their body and walk first mm -hmm. before they progress to trot. Yes. When they can prove that they are organised in trot um, and they can stay in a balanced position in a sitting trot, you would then proceed to canter. So... It's not a case of let's get to canter as fast as we can because that's the only way we feel that we have got value for money. So it's it's a slightly longer process. The rewards at the end of the process are much greater and your progress through your riding levels is just phenomenal. But it is a, it's a big change in perception for people who've been riding for a long time. And I come across this quite often. They've been riding for many, many years. They have a lesson with me and I have to take many videos, take photographs of them so that I can prove to them that the way I've adjusted their leg and where I've positioned them and getting them aware of their seat bones and how I've changed their rising trot actually looks fantastic. And it feels extraordinarily weird for them. One of my favourite sayings is, feel the weird, feel the weird. You've got to feel, it's got to feel weird. You're not making a change unless it feels different. Yes. Okay. Um, so I let them watch the video back and nine times out of ten they are quite flabbergasted by how much better they look. By the end of the lesson they're amazed by how much more control over their horse they have, by how much more their inner thigh muscles have worked, um, and just by how much more responsive and obedient their horse has been. So... It is a big mental adjustment, though. It starts a much slower process, so people argue against that. People think, oh, I've been riding for years. I, I don't need this newfangled way. Um, I know what I'm doing. And they're used to the way their horse is reacting. So from a, you know, in a negative way, they're, they're not bent correctly around their leg. They're not positioned correct. They think the horse is on the bit. Meanwhile, it's hollow in its back and trailing its hind legs. 
they think that this is the way they've been doing it. They've been doing it for years that way. They're not prepared to take that step back that they would need to in order to embrace a more ethical, biomechanical way of riding. So it comes up against their ego, it comes up against tradition, and it's a constant struggle with a lot of existing riders. I find a lot easier to take on board a new rider. A new, these principles, they don't know any different. So they progress very, very quickly and become very nice riders that can ride a range of horses really, really well. Yeah, because all, diff- all of the different horses have their own personalities and you have to ride every single one differently. And so yes, you do. If I was to get on a really small, cheeky pony full of personality that knows he can get away with stuff, I wouldn't ride him the same as I would a schoolmaster that's been doing it and just listening to me my entire life and then I get on something else. I can't ride them the same, can I? No, you can't, but you can apply your biomechanical principles to every single horse you ride, which means stay lined up, your shoulder hip to heel, your rising trot mechanism needs to be spot on. Um, You're not going to jam your heels down, you're not going to tip onto one seat bone, you're not going to lean forwards, you're not going to use the reins for balance, you are going to turn correctly, you're not going to pull your inside rein backwards in order to turn your horse, which creates a neck jackknife in their bodies, and then you wonder why your horse doesn't turn right, because you've yanked on the right rein, rather they have gone left, dropped their shoulder, gone into the other arena. So there, there, there are lots of ways that you would ride every horse the same, but you're right there. They have different personalities. Some horses do prefer you to carry your reins a little tiny bit higher. Um, others like a slightly firmer contact. They feel more secure in that. Others like a slightly more relaxed um, So, yeah, a good rider is being biomechanically correct and being able to apply subtle changes depending on the personality of the horse because, like we said earlier, notice. Notice your horse. Notice their reactions. Notice what's working. Notice what isn't working. You have to be very present when you ride in the moment with that horse Um, because you are two beings that are trying to communicate. You speak foreign languages. You're trying to have some kind of common language between you so you end up with something that looks effortless and fluid. Um, Biomechanics is the way to do that. Yeah, so by using it I can ride more horses because I'll be doing ethically and they'll want to listen to me and they won't want to throw me off if I'm not unbalanced on their backs. Yes, yes. What? That all makes sense. Definitely, I embrace all of those concepts wholeheartedly. Yeah, so... um. Because we've obviously been talking about this, but we haven't spoken about how somebody that's been listening can get into it. So how would you say, how can you include biomechanical principles into your daily riding? So that that is tricky if you don't ever have anybody with you when you ride because your patterns are established. Um, making any changes feel enormous and feel so weird that... Your, your brain almost says, oh, it's got to be wrong, and you it's easy to revert back. So having somebody on the ground with an idea of um, sort of what you're going for is, is really helpful. Talking yourself, reading up about it, watching some podcasts, there's lots of information out there. There are lots of books, there's lots of information on the internet. Um, having an idea of what you're going for, so even seat bones, weights even in your stirrups, Staying aligned, your shoulder hip to heel, keeping a neutral spine, 
um, bringing Pilates principles into it. So Pilates lessons, you did a lot of Pilates that is equine based. Um, you did a lot of yoga that is equine based. Talking about neutral spine, keeping the spaces between your vertebra open, dropping your shoulders away from your ears, um, balancing, working on symmetry within your body. So carry your bag on alternate shoulders. Cross your legs different ways. Don't always cross your right leg over your left one. Change the way you cross your legs. Don't always get the coffee cup out of the cupboard with your right hand. Get it out with your left hand. Start making more pathways in your brain to the other side of your body. So try and create some symmetry left and right in your own body, just in your everyday life. Kick the ball with the other foot. Um, there, there are so many things that you automatically do with your one dominant side. And if you try and do a little more with the other side, you can start to um, correct some of your own symmetries. You can watch yourself in the mirror doing certain things. Do you carry one shoulder higher than the other? Do you close your eyes as you hold your hands out in front of you? Wave them around a bit, hold them out in front of you again, and then open your eyes. Are they the same height, or have you inadvertently dropped a shoulder? Have you dropped a hand? There are lots and lots of symmetry-style exercises that you can do off the horse. Um, on the horse, having a mirror, um, again, reading having somebody video you changing things does it feel better this way does it feel better another way and of course having lessons with a biomechanical coach so um like i've said earlier mary wanless is somebody that i have lessons with i do teacher training with and i have a box i subscribe to her web channel um but there are lots of biomechanics coaches out there there's lots on facebook there are lots of webinars you can you can get hold of and you can watch and if it's something that you're really committed to you can start making lots and lots of little changes that will exponentially improve your riding so so much and as you start to do little bits you'll be more inspired I'm hoping to do more and to try and actively seek out more ethical ways of riding your horse and training your horse get hold of a, an instructor who has um, teachers using biomechanical principles um yeah that's 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 what i would advise you to do the more you can bring into your daily life just bear in mind things will feel weird for a while things will feel different you'll want to perhaps go back to your old patterns because a new habit is very tricky to start to make to create and the old patterns will be wanting to creep their way back in but um keep trying to reset yourself in a new pattern so all of these small elements that I don't even notice that I'm doing in my day by getting my teacup down with my right hand they would all be contributing to my imbalance and make me feel less balanced when I'm riding my horse even though you think about it like they don't seem like they have any relevance at all no no but well, they wouldn't but if you if you are having asymmetries in your body and you are slightly unbalanced um just walking around normally when you're sitting on a horse that is flinging you up and down in a trot throwing you in that um motion and canter moving side to side in walk they're putting very very um yeah just lots of different movement patterns onto your already asymmetrical body 
bear in mind that your horse is also perhaps slightly more supple one way than the other, uh, has more muscle development one way or the other, would prefer to turn one way rather than the other. So you've got asymmetries in your horse's body, but you don't notice them so much unless you create correct asymmetries in your own body. The more symmetrical you can be, the more you will notice when your horse is disorganizing you and you'll start to notice the asymmetries in your horse and you can then start to help him to work a little more through with the hind leg that he lags a bit with, to step a little more weight on the left shoulder perhaps if he carries more weight to the right. And so you can together start on a whole new journey of improving your left and right symmetries. And over time, making sure that you're in balance with your horse, I guess, will make the risk of injury a lot less. Because as you move, like I tend to use one of my, well, just my right shoulder more than my left. So I can feel it straining. I feel pain in it when I'm doing certain things. And so making sure I'm not asymmetrical will help me and my horse to not be injured in the future. Yes, it's just good for your general health to be symmetrical in your body as much as you can be much less muscle strain much less ligament damage much less um, kind of potential risk of damaging a knee or a shoulder or creating some kind of a reaction in your horse that creates a situation where you then fall off and damage yourself it's 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 just a much more harmonious way of riding perfect well thank you very much and i hope that was helpful for anybody that was listening and considering this or thinking now possibly thinking about considering this as a new way i hope that you all enjoyed this thank you thank you very much i thoroughly enjoyed coming in and talking to you thank you and if it's made even one person out there give a little bit of thought to being a more ethical rider and um, applying some some new little ideas to their riding then it's been great yes and that's exactly what this podcast is for helping people to think about doing things in a more ethical way and putting the horse first so thank you very much thank you very much and good luck with your riding everybody hope you will start to achieve amazing amazing new ethical ways with your horse that's it for today's episode of ethics in equine thank you so much for joining me and i really hope that you'll join me again next time we've got another incredible guest coming in to speak to us and it's so important that we all think more ethically and challenge ourselves to be more ethical around our horses. So I really hope that you tune in next time. And yeah, see you then. Cheers. Bye.